Welcome to the MPFFU Podcast. The intent and purpose of the MPFFU Podcast is to support the mission to improve wages, working hours, and working conditions for its members. This podcast will disseminate evidence-based relevant information, resources, and strategies. To accomplish this, the MPFFU Podcast will provide reliable, factual, and actionable information that strengthens, empowers, and supports the MPFFU members and locals through United Action. Now our host, Jeff Lassers. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of the MPFFU Podcast. I'm Jeff Lassers, and I've been a firefighter and paramedic with the West Bloomfield Township Fire Department, Local 1721, since 2004. I'm also a member of the MPFFU Union Education Committee. In this episode, I sit down with Jeff Lentz and Adam Farrell. Jeff Lentz is a battalion chief with the City of Dearborn Local 412, as well as their local president. Adam Farrell is a lieutenant with the Dearborn Fire Department, the secretary for Local 412, as well as a member of the MPFFU Political Education Committee. Jeff and Adam are here to discuss the importance of fire department staffing. Specifically, our guests will help us to understand the value of adequately staffed fire departments for Michigan's communities. Then, we'll discuss the laws and standards that dictate fire department staffing. Finally, we'll dive into House Bill 4688, which, if passed, will amend the Public Employee Relations Act, or PARA, to make staffing a mandatory subject of collective bargaining. Recently, the Dearborn Fire Department responded to a structure fire with a confirmed occupant trapped inside. Fortunately, Dearborn crews were able to quickly respond and execute a successful rescue while simultaneously performing all other fire suppression duties. Shout out to Captain Ken Abraham, Firefighter Steve Timmons, and Firefighter Terry Karsten, who executed the save along with Lieutenant Adam Farrell. Strong work, gentlemen. As you'll hear in this episode, the heroic save made by this crew was due in a large part to having just enough personnel on the scene to execute the rescue as well as perform all other necessary tasks on the fire ground. Although the crews successfully made the save and put out the fire, they had just enough personnel to get the job done. Any fewer firefighters on that scene and the outcome would likely not have turned out so well. Fortunately for that citizen, a few years prior, Dearborn Fire Department Local 412 was able to increase the minimum staffing on all fire apparatus after a successful 312 arbitration. This was a huge win for them that increased the minimum number of firefighters from 2 to 3 on all fire department apparatus except ambulances. If not for the increased staffing, the Dearborn crew may not have been able to successfully perform the rescue on that day. People must learn to understand that when we have adequate staff on scene, we can put out the fire, rescue people, and perform all other necessary tasks in a highly effective and safe manner. When we don't have enough people, the safety of our citizens and firefighters dramatically decreases. Bottom line, the chances of citizens and firefighters being injured or killed at a structure fire radically increases when we don't have enough staff on the fire ground. At the end of the day, it's important to understand that fire trucks, water, and other suppression equipment do not put out the fires or perform rescues. Firefighters do. You could have the best equipment in the world and an endless water supply, but if you don't have enough firefighters, it doesn't matter. MPFFU members, please join us for the rally at the Capitol on September 14th as we fight to improve our rights. We need your help to get House Bill 4688 passed and amend the Public Employee Relations Act to make staffing a mandatory topic of collective bargaining. 
To register, scan the QR code on the screen now or see the link in the episode description. Let's rally to make a stronger and safer professional fire service for Michigan's communities. Thank you and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, Jeff. Good afternoon, Adam. How are you guys? Doing well. Doing great. Thank you. So, Jeff, kick us off. Who are you? What do you do? Where do you do it? My name is Jeff Lentz. I'm uh, currently the local president for Dearborn Local 412. I've been the president for the last 11 years and been on the executive board for coming up on 13 years. I'm also uh, currently a battalion chief in the city of Dearborn. Adam, same question. Who are you? What do you do? And where do you do it? Well, my name is Adam Farrell. I am uh, current secretary of the Dearborn Firefighters Local 412. Uh, This is my first term as secretary. Previous to this, I spent six years as vice president. Recently just promoted to lieutenant at uh, Station 4. Just enjoying the ride while while we got it. Yeah, it's a good gig. Things have changed in the last, I'm coming up on 19 years next week. And Jeff, I know you're the same generation. You and I kind of came up around the same exact time. Uh, We've watched each other get older and sag your eyes and all that other stuff. Uh, the job has changed, but I still love the job. How about you? I definitely still love the job. Yeah, I've been coming up on 22 years here after the first of the year, wow. and I still love coming to work every day. Yeah, it's still a good gig, and the humans that we work with, the staff, <laughs> they make it you know even better. They make it the best part of the job. And in our last episode, we were so lucky to sit down with the IAFF General President, Ed Kelly, Edzo, the dude's cool. He was so fun to meet. I got to be in New York City at the Redmond. It was really cool. And I got his take on staffing and what we got going on in Michigan. It was really special. But Jeff, tell everybody why staffing matters in the fire service. Well, if we don't have staffing, we can't effectively do our job. And to effectively do our job, we need firefighters on the rigs when they arrive there. You can't have ladder company or an engine company showing up with one person. Even two people is not going to get the job done. So if we have effective staffing, we're going to be able to click those boxes and fulfill all those fire ground priorities that we have to do at every single structure fire. Well, thank you for that. I couldn't agree more. You know, a lot of times we think of enough people as, well, I don't hear about people getting hurt or I don't hear about all these tragedies, so they must have enough staff to get the fire out. Just because you're not hearing a problem every day doesn't mean you don't have a problem lying in wait. There's always potential problems just waiting to take advantage of one little thing and not having enough humans on that fire ground. You might as well not show up with water. (laughs) because you don't have the humans you ain't doing nothing with the truck and the water so adam give me an example of where staffing made a positive impact or outcome because like we're saying here you got to have adequate staffing to actually get the job done getting the job done is positive unto itself but does anything stick out in your mind yeah, definitely. So recently we had a call in Melvindale, which as you know, Dearborn merged with Melvindale back in 2013. So our fifth fire station actually covers a portion of uh, Dearborn and the city of Melvindale. We staff a three-man engine down there in a two-man ambulance and a run came in for a house fire with a report of somebody trapped. In that particular incident, we actually had units responding from four different stations. And each fire unit that we have in Dearborn, whether it's an engine or a ladder truck, we have contractual language that they're staffed with three firefighters and then our ambulances are staffed with two. So that particular day, I was actually shipped out to our headquarters station and I was assigned as a company officer for our squad. Once uh, we had initial uh, report that there was somebody trapped in there, immediately a second ambulance was called because the thought right away is, okay, we have to possibly transport this person to the hospital. 
And as you know, when we start having rigs come down the road, you have the potential to block out that transporting unit. And this particular call happened to be on a dead end street. So we knew that getting resources down were already going to be difficult to begin with. So the initial engine crew went in and they began fire control and a primary search. So with the officer and just one pipeman, they were tasked with trying to search and put the fire out with just two people. And this is a situation where we are staffed with three and it still became difficult while the responding ambulance crew was starting to do some ventilation to try to get some airflow in there to get the hot, hot air out of there to give survivability chances a better chance. My rig was a second arriving rig on scene, and typically it's a water supply thing that we were going to do. But given the fact that we had somebody trapped inside, we went ahead and made entry and performed uh, the search and located that victim and brought him out. But if you look at this fireground incident as a whole, there's so many moving parts that if the rescue crew didn't get there and begin that ventilation, and we didn't get that initial fire knocked down, the chances of survivability here are, are very rare, you know, even, even given the resources that we had. So ultimately, we ended up having a positive outcome here. It's my understanding that this gentleman is still alive, and, and he's doing well today. But it took that staffing number to get 16 or 17 people on scene, which is the standard that NFPA 1710 sets, to get this job done. And even with that minimum standard, we're still stretched to the max to try to get these tasks done. So it sounds like you had adequate staffing to do the absolute minimum to meet the need of that exact emergency at the time. I would say that's correct. You know, one more victim and it feels like you don't have such a good story at the end. You know, that's always possible. The other thing too to to consider is with staffing, when you talk about staffing globally, just because we have a house fire going doesn't mean there's not other incidents that are going to take place. And, you know, that's a common thing that happens is we send resources to one location. And if you don't have a reserve amount of resources or resources to handle more than one incident at a time, we might be staffed to handle one good incident. What happens when the second person calls 911? Is it just, sorry, bad luck. We didn't have enough people to respond. We already sent them on somewhere else, you know? So these are important decisions that have to be made at the political level and the administrative level to give the firefighters the resources that they need to get their job done. Jeff, is the answer to that just calling for mutual aid? Or is it is obvious to say is that next community is also overtaxed and not meeting minimum staffings to meet the needs of their citizens anyway? They may not have minimum staffing in the contract, but let's all be real. You need minimum amount of staffing to meet the needs of your community. That's 100% correct. And I would definitely say the majority of our locals in the state of Michigan do not have any staffing minimums in their contracts, let alone are they running with the standard of 1710, which it gives you the recommendation of a minimum of four firefighters for every engine squad or ladder truck that you're staffing outside of ambulances. In the city of Dearborn, our squad is more of a manpower squad, similar to what Detroit runs and I believe Grand Rapids. So our ambulances we call rescues. But Adam had some very good points on that fire we had in Melvindale. I was actually the battalion chief on duty, so I was the IC arriving and... We had reports of someone trapped upon right after dispatch. So in route, we were aware there was a possible victim trapped. And that's why that engine made entry immediately upon arrival. But again, there was only three firefighters on that engine company. And that engine company was actually there for a few minutes by themselves. The rescue that they run with was not right behind them, which ideally they would have been. But in all reality, that doesn't happen every single time. And it didn't happen that time. So if we would have pulled up to that fire and there was no reports prior to our arriving of someone trapped, that engine company technically cannot make entry to start putting the fire out or start searching because they didn't have two in and two out. If we would have had four firefighters on that engine, they definitely would have made an entry 
legally and started the search and fire suppression prior to the next apparatus arriving. Thankfully, we did know someone was trapped, so they could make entry without the two in, two out. But that is a huge safety issue, not only for the firefighters that are making entry, but also for that victim, because we need that backup support to help extricate that victim from those toxic gases and the hazardous atmosphere that house fires provide. But God forbid one of our firefighters would have been hurt or we could have had a collapse or partial collapse. And now there's not two firefighters outside to pull those firefighters out immediately. We're waiting for more resources to get there. So that's where the big safety aspect is and what uh, General President Kelly was touching on the other day, that we need to be able to bargain over these things. We need to be able to have these conversations with our employers, our cities, townships, municipalities, and they have to bargain over these things or we need to make it so they have to bargain over these things. That's what this rally on the 14th is all about. So, Jeff, that's a really good point. So, But let's set some context first here before we talk about the rally and the proposed bills in the state of Michigan. So there's some things that are mandatory and some things that are recommendations, best practices, or standards that they look at at a national level. So compare and contrast that mandatory OSHA, MyOSHA stuff versus NFPA in regards to staffing in the fire service. So a mandatory thing would be what we consider the two in, two out, where two firefighters cannot go into a hazardous environment, say a house fire, without two other firefighters in full gear ready outside of that building. That's a law. We cannot break that law unless there is a known victim inside the building. And we should be treating all of our structure fires as a possible someone trapped until determined otherwise, because that's a life safety issue. So it's important to point out that When we show up to these types of situations and we have a split second decision as a commander with just a very few amount of people there, knowing you have an entrapped person, we went from a dangerous situation to an exceedingly dangerous situation because we already have one person life at risk. And now you're putting at a minimum two more people's lives at risk. And if something happens to them, somebody else is going to try to go in whether they have enough people or not. So there could be a cascading bad situation of domino after domino falling and when we have the right amount of staff we make a massive increase in the amount of safety that is now in that situation appropriate amount of staff you could take on more risk for those people who immediately need our help right and that's kind of what you're saying here that's why it's a recommendation why isn't that a standard practice law like two in two out Well, the NFPA standards are only recommendations unless your city, township, municipality, or state adopt them and force you to follow them. And that's an interesting question because NFPA standards are followed by almost every single city, municipality, and township in the entire state of Michigan every day. We're following standards that require us to have certain types of boots on, certain types of gloves, helmets, our PPE, which is our turnout gear, our Engines and ladders are staffed in consistent with the other standards. We have a standard that says what color our seatbelts need to be on fire trucks, but we're not going to follow the standard that says we need four firefighters on each fire truck because the cities don't have to talk about that. It's not currently a mandatory subject to bargaining in the state of Michigan. And when you go to the table and you start negotiating, you bring these topics up of safety and staffing on different rigs. They just can say, we don't want to talk about that, and we're going to staff however we want. And that's an unfortunate situation. 
part of what this staffing here really is about the service we can deliver to the residents and the, and the taxpayers. And if we're properly staffed, we can be much more aggressive with our firefighter tactics and much more effective. We know typically that a house fire is going to double in size every minute. And so when we're faced with the tough decision of whether we're going to extinguish this fire or search for the person in the house, we're already at a disadvantage. So if we can have simultaneous operations due to proper staffing, and we can actually have a crew extinguish the fire while we're searching to try to get the victim out of the house and ventilate, getting that hot air and gases and starting to eliminate some of the potential for backdraft and flashover from the structure, if we can do these all at the same time, survivability rate increases significantly for anybody trapped inside that house. At the end of the day, I think a lot of people drive by a fire station, they see fire trucks inside the station, and they just assume that when they call 911, that truck's rolling out the door and it's ready to go and it's properly staffed and equipped. And we can't always say that's the case. I mean, sometimes there's engines or whatever apparatus sitting inside a station and they're not equipped or they're not staffed. They don't have anybody in there. So it's really important to make sure from, from a standpoint here that we also get the message across that this is going to be better for residents, better for taxpayers, and make sure that they have that service coming that they need, that they count on. You know, if you think of the concept, this is something I oftentimes like to talk to somebody and, and say, if an ambulance is sitting around all the time, we hear this, oh, these guys aren't doing anything, they're sitting around, they're just at the station. Well, okay, let's say the ambulance goes on a call 50% of the time. So in a 24-hour shift, 12 hours of the day, the ambulance is either on the way to the hospital or on the way back or taking care of somebody or whatever. That means that 50% of the time you call for that resource, it's already in use. And so staffing is, is important, and that's why we've got to get this discussion out, out in the open. Those are very good points. Now, help me understand the scope of staffing in Michigan. Compare and contrast it to our bordering states. Are we higher, lower, middle? Are we adequate? Give me some context. So I'm glad you asked that question. I'm currently sitting on the political education committee with the MPFFU, and we are putting together a legislative booklet this year that kind of mirrors what they do at the international, at the, at the federal level. In doing so, when we got to the staffing portion, we wanted to explore what the other states around us have. And what we found was actually concerning that we are under 50% staffing compared to our neighboring states. So based off a of population, we have half the firefighters per person that we see in the neighboring states. And so it's definitely staffing is a concern. Why is Michigan ranked at the bottom by such a large margin? Well, I would have to believe that, you know, given para right now, it's not a mandatory subject of bargaining. So if we, as an executive board, want to negotiate staffing with our cities, they have to agree to negotiate that with us. And right now, with it being a permissible subject of bargaining, they can just say, well, we're not interested in talking about that. And there's really no way forward to open this discussion up and to push it forward. And that that whole concept is why uh, Dearborn's executive board, we kind of got together last year before the state convention and we thought, well, this is an issue and we need to do something to address it. And so what we did was we wrote a resolution, we brought it to the floor and the membership of the MPFFU voted on it and passed it. And in that resolution, we cited some of the stuff we were talking about, NFPA, NIST, OSHA, and we asked the executive board to make this a political priority to use it to interview candidates when they are trying to seek endorsement of the firefighters to determine whether they're pro-staffing or not. And in doing so, this executive board has done a phenomenal job lobbying for this and pushing this forward to the point where we actually have a House bill right now on the floor, and it's House Bill 4688. 
and it's been brought forward and it gives us an opportunity to have this discussion. And again, we've already mentioned September 14th, and I can't stress that enough that this is an opportunity to really stand behind the leaders that you elected to your executive boards and to the state and show the politicians that we're standing with these people. We are behind them 100%. And we want to push this staffing thing forward. At least give us a seat at the table to discuss this and talk about it. Every city, every situation is going to be different. Let's talk about it. Let's find out what fits and what works. And we can educate politicians and elected leaders about these issues because a lot of them are unknown. Jeff, give me an overview of House Bill 4688 and what it covers. Well, that bill is going to amend the collective bargaining law in the state of Michigan for public employees, specifically for firefighters. PARA stands for the Public Employee Relations Act. That's what allows us to sit at the table with our employer and negotiate contracts. So that's going to move staffing from a permissive subject to bargaining, just like Adam just said, into a mandatory subject to bargaining. So it'll be negotiated just like we negotiate wages, your retirement, what type of health care you have. And it's still going to be community specific. There's not going to be a change that's going to mandate all these different communities hire hundreds or thousands of firefighters. So that cost is going to be determined at a local level, and it's going to be determined between the city representatives and the bargaining unit representatives, which in our case is uh, Dearborn Firefighters Local 412. Adam, this obviously affects every single fire department in the state of Michigan. How can we get House Bill 4688 passed? Well, I would advise you to seek out your elected officials, not only in the communities you work in, but the areas you live Speak to them about 4688. Reach out to your executive board. If you have questions, you can always reach out to the MPFFU executive board or your district vice president and push this issue along. The more we talk about it, the more we bring it up and we can move these things forward. You know, and I want to give a shout out to one of our state reps in Dearborn, Alabas Farhat. He's actually a district rep for the third district and he's a co-sponsor on this bill. You know, and it was something when this bill came out, we were extremely proud to see his name on it. He's been a good supporter of labor, and I hope that he can work with everybody involved here and find the votes to get this done. And one more thing, if you don't mind, Jeff, I'd like to add is for uh, everybody listening, you know, I was hired in the fire service in 2006 in the city of Inkster. We had some experience working on a department where we would run a two-man engine or a four-man minimum, sometimes daily. And then going to Dearborn, it's a little bit different with how we're staffed. But in my entire career, I feel like from a union standpoint, we've been playing defense. We've been playing defense through the Rick Snyder years. We've been playing defense, you know, trying to hold on to things and contracts as we're slowly watching things slip away like retirement health care and pension benefits. And, you know, now's the time for us to go on offense as a union, to sit back and to try to just hold on to everything and try to just circle the wagons. Those days are over with. We've seen a recruitment issue. We've seen a retention issue. We have some significant issues and we have great leadership right now. And I encourage everybody out there right now, Let's be more aggressive from a union standpoint. Let's go out and seek for gains. We need to have wages that keep up with the cost of living, and we need to move things forward. And our safety is a priority. We have way too many members that are having cancer issues, that are getting sick, that are getting exposed to a lot of stuff, and it's time that we stand up for things and we fight for stuff and we we go on the offensive. So I can't overstate this enough. You need to be there on September 14th. We all have things going on. We've got to make time to do this, and if we don't do it, then we, we should hold ourselves accountable. But we need to find a way to be there on September 14th. Jeff, you got anything to add to that? 
Yeah, I think Adam brought up some very good points. Our whole goal as a local and the IFF and the MPFFU goal is to provide our members with decent pay, decent benefits, a respectable retirement with a health care that's going to take care of us when we get older, as well as while we're working. Our members are increasingly getting diagnosed with cancer around the state. We've had two members of Local 412, one recently that was diagnosed with cancer, and that's not going to go away. Our risk to our personnel and our own bodies is going up on a day-to-day basis. So we need to level the playing field. And part of that is making our job safer. And to do that, we need boots on the ground. We need firefighters appropriately staffed on every single apparatus, fire trucks, ladder trucks, engines, squads, whatever we want to call them in our different communities need to be appropriately staffed to make it safer for us to be able to go home to our families. Gentlemen, you made some very good points today. Hopefully this inspires many of our members to show up on September 14th. And for those that can't show up, hopefully they're reaching out to their state representatives and their local representatives to really try to make a difference. Again, that's House Bill 4688. We're really working to get this passed for Michigan's residents. Because the safer we are in protecting our residents, well, that's passed along directly to the communities that we serve. So gentlemen, keep up the great work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jeff. Thank you to Jeff Lentz and Adam Farrell for joining us on the MPFFU podcast. It was truly an honor, gentlemen. MPFFU members, please join us for the rally at the Capitol on September 14th as we fight to improve our rights. We need your help to get House Bill 4688 passed and amend the Public Employee Relations Act to make staffing a mandatory topic of collective bargaining. To register, scan the QR code on the screen now or see the link in the episode description. Let's rally to make a stronger and safer professional fire service for Michigan's communities. Please email us your feedback and tell us what you think about the show or send us ideas for future episodes to mpffupodcast at gmail.com. Follow the MPFFU Instagram account at m.p.f.f.u. And finally, please subscribe, like, and share all content on the Michigan Professional Firefighter Union YouTube channel. Thank you, and have a great day.